if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is now seven minutes after the hour of not o'clock on this Wednesday, the 21st morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2021. Let us begin our show today with our hands over our hearts. If you are not driving, please stand to join us for a pledge of allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation. Under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I ask that you say that pledge today, something that we do each and every day, in support of a flag which represents a nation that is not, that is not a nation rooted in systemic racism or hatred or bigotry. I ask you to salute the flag that represents a nation that continues to be, despite all of the pronouncements yesterday in reaction to a single-case police verdict, I ask you to recognize this country as the still the greatest force for good in the history of humankind. Reactions all over the country yesterday to the Derek Chauvin verdict, which was about as predictable as predictable could be, I said this many, many times going into this. He would be convicted because he had to be convicted. Derek Chauvin would be convicted of murder or at least manslaughter because the cities of this state, of this nation cannot burn perpetually. They cannot burn indefinitely. Something somewhere has to stop it. And this guy was never, after a nine-minute video, was never going to be let set free or let off the hook for his ignorance and his idiocy. And I have convicted Derek Chauvin myself of criminal stupidity and probably criminal neglect, if nothing else. Certainly, certainly, in the George Floyd case, medical care was needed. Medical care was required. Medical care was not provided. Instead, the pose sitting there continuing to kneel, etc., etc. We know the drill. We know the story. Criminal neglect, yes. Criminal stupidity, absolutely. Did he cause that man's death? Absolutely not. Was that going to be a factor in this result, in this verdict? Absolutely not. This had to happen. There had to be a sacrifice 
at the altar of social justice, and the head of Derek Chauvin was the perfect sacrifice to be made. The jury yesterday came to an absolutely predictable verdict. As a matter of fact, somebody said to me yesterday, somebody, somebody said, this is unbelievable after the verdict was announced. I said, it's absolutely perfectly believable. What are you talking about? And they said, well, the, the Derek Chauvin attorney did a lousy job. And my response was, do you realize that in the moment that this trial took place in American history, in the moment that we are in with respect to race relations in this country, in the moment that we are in with people on the left calling for an end to or reimagining of or the abolition of policing, the dream team that freed O.J. couldn't have gotten Derek Chauvin off in this case. Not a chance for an acquittal. You could have had the dream team of Shapiro and F. Lee Bailey and Johnny Cochran and the rest of them. No one could have gotten Derek Chauvinoff in this case. They had an easier time getting O.J. Simpson off for murder in 1995, despite DNA evidence and, in fact, every single piece of evidence pointing to his guilt. That would have been easier and was easier than the job they would have had with Derek Chauvin. As I said, a sacrifice had to be made. Now, I think this was best summed up in a single line last night on television. A single line told you or told all of us what really happened here. And that line was, and I quote, The jury in the Derek Chauvin murder trial came to to a unanimous and unequivocal verdict. Please don't hurt us. That was the verdict delivered by the jury. The jury verdict was, please don't hurt us. And that line was uttered by Tucker Carlson last night. I must give attribution to it because it is brilliance. It is brilliant, rather, in its simplicity. The jury said, don't hurt us. Of course we'll find him guilty. Don't destroy my house. Don't dox me. Don't tell the world where my kids go to school. Don't make them or allow them to be harassed. I'll give you whatever verdict you want. Don't burn down our cities. Don't burn down my neighborhood. Don't destroy my car. Don't slash my tires. Please don't hurt us. And that's exactly why we knew this was going to happen. Again, a sacrifice needed to be made. A sacrificial lamb needed to be offered, and in this case, the head of Derek Chauvin, who I don't think was a good cop, again, didn't do good things, didn't do the right things, but also didn't kill a man. Triple the amount of fentanyl to be a lethal dose for anyone killed the man. Hypertension killed the man. A cardiac condition killed the man. A knee on a neck did not kill the man, because the man didn't die by asphyxiation with the exception of the asphyxiation caused by triple the lethal dose of fentanyl. So the sacrificial lamb needed to be put on the altar of social justice, and there needed to be a jury that was terrified enough to deliver the justice that was required of the moment. And that succeeded. 
I don't know if you saw, but a simple witness for the defense in this trial had his house vandalized. Actually, I take this back. They were targeting the witness, a witness, who testified on behalf of Derek Chauvin's defense in this trial. And a house that was thought to be his was smeared and splattered with pig's blood. And, I'm told, a pig's head. Which, of course, would be very uh, symbolic because of the way that so many who are cop haters feel about them. They refer to them as pigs. There was pig's blood smeared all over their house. This was just a witness. What do you think the jury was in for? If they came back and said, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Or not guilty on murder two, not guilty on murder three, but only guilty on manslaughter. What do you think would have happened to that jury? They knew what would happen. They knew what would happen before they even were sworn in as jurors. During the jury selection period, many of those who were interviewed admitted they didn't want to be on this jury. They were terrified of what was going to be expected of them and what was going to be the damage that they faced potentially if they didn't come back with a verdict that the riot crowds, the the rioters, wanted. And so I asked you to join us in saluting the flag that represents the nation that is still the greatest force for good for a reason. Because what the left has done in reaction and in the follow-up to this uh, to this verdict yesterday is they have used it as evidence, as if it were proof that police in America are indeed systemically racist. See, Derek Chauvin did kill a black man because he was black and because cops are racists. See? Derek Chauvin did kill George Floyd because this country is systemically racist. This is what they're doing. This was their victory lap for hours and hours and hours yesterday and into last night. And the man leading the victory lap, shuffling along as if he were wearing foam slippers in a facility which would be much more worthy of his condition right now, was the President of the United States, Joe Biden. And for some reason... From the White House's perspective, the death of George Floyd boiled down to something very simple. It exposed the, quote, stain of systemic racism in America. It was a murder in the full light of day, and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism the vice president just referred to. The systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. Biden, by the way, joined the Floyd legal team in urging Congress to pass the Democrats' criminal justice reform bill, which seeks to lower the standard needed to prosecute and convict police officers of alleged misconduct. So there you have it. The race baiter in chief, the divider in chief, Joe Biden said, see, this verdict proves that police are systemically racist. This verdict proves that this country is systemically racist and that it's a stain on our soul.
This man and these people on the far left, literally, not not hyperbolically, literally hate this country. They hate it for what it is. They truly believe that this nation is evil, and this country somehow, some way managed to give them full and unabated power to direct this country that they despise. How can a president of the United States, when responding to this national uh, issue, this particular trial, not come on and say, the jury has spoken, we believe justice was done in this country, now let us heal together. Instead of... This was a murder in the full light of day, and it pulled the blinders off, revealing that we are a systemically racist country. How can that be the leader of this country? How can that party, how can that movement speak for this country? Moreover, if the jurors were terrified at the start of this trial, which they were, as many of them admitted, How on God's green earth were they not sequestered from being further intimidated, from being further um, upset by or concerned about what is awaiting them if they don't come back with the quote-unquote right verdict as they watched night after night after night of more rioting, burning, looting, and assaulting in the wake of the Dante Wright death? You had jurors watching the cities being destroyed, watching the alleged perpetrators, meaning white people and society, watching them being attacked because Dante Wright was shot. What did you think they were going to think? How could they not have been impacted by the riots and by the words of elected officials? Not just Biden. But, of course, prior to the verdict, Maxine Waters saying, if we don't get guilty, 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 we have to stay in the streets. We have to fight for justice. And we have to increase the confrontation, be more confrontational. How could these jurors have done anything other than what they did? How's it possible? The left wing is celebrating the verdict yesterday as if it were proof that this nation is racist, and yet not one single piece of evidence in that trial was introduced to prove or even allege that Derek Chauvin chose to kneel on George Floyd's neck because he was black. Nothing introduced in that trial. Coming up in uh, about 14 minutes, Jim Jordan will join us with reaction. Might as well get his. We're getting everybody else's. And I certainly want yours. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you think this means to policing going forward, what this means to security and safety and criminal justice going forward. And I want you to know, or excuse me, I want to know from you what you think about this country. Joe Biden says it's a racist country, and it's been, it's been, what do you say, the blinders have been ripped off. He said his country is a racist country. 
as he heads into a summit, by the way, with communist nations. I'll be right back. Nine twenty-seven. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer reactions pouring in from across the country, and the most concerning and uh, alarming of those reactions are those of the American left that say, "See, George Floyd was murdered by a white cop. It's proof that America is systemically racist," and they're being guided in that belief by the President of the United States, Joseph Biden. It's also going to be open season on cops now, but I'll talk more about that later. Let me get Jan in Greater Cleveland on the air before the bottom of the hour and Congressman Jim Jordan, who will join us then. Uh, Jan, good morning. Go ahead. Oh, good morning. Uh, Joe Biden will say or do anything to keep the Democrats uh, vote, keep the blacks uh, voting for Democrats. Uh, you know, a person that's totally overlooked. Now, uh, I I don't have much sympathy for uh Chauvin, he that was that was terrible. But to judge, I don't either. You know who I have sympathy for, though, Jan. Is a pardon? Uh, I said I don't have sympathy for him either, but I have sympathy for the fairness of trials in America. And what we have now proven is that trials can be decided by riot or threat of rioting. Yeah, that, now that's, that that's that dangerous. that is the norm, and that is that is terrifying juries, and it's going to just destroy this criminal justice system. Okay. But I'm sorry, who uh, do you feel sorry for? The the other thing. Uh, well, I, uh, I, uh, the person who's also guilty and has gotten away that uh, contributed more so to uh, George Floyd's death is the person who sold him the drug. Where is that person? Where is the person who, who he was uh, in cahoots with or someone who uh, unintentionally passed him the fake bill, which is why he was arrested? No, that was intentional, that- not unintentional, but... Anyway, yeah, well, the, the, he, he was he was believed to be with his drug dealer at the time uh, that he was being arrested. The drug dealer had tried to pass the fake 20, couldn't do it. And so he said, why don't you go try it to a different place? And he tried to pass the fake 20 so they can get, you know, actual cash back for it. So, uh, you know, the drug dealer Are was right there with jail? him. Of course not. They- of course not. Because they're never gonna, they're never gonna prove, they're they're never gonna make the leap. At least you know, just from my limited knowledge of the law. And thank you, Jan, for the call. They're never gonna make the leap from you sold him the drugs, therefore you killed him with the overdose. Because it would kind of like be saying you sold somebody a gun and they shot somebody with it, so you are now complicit in that murder. That's not true. That doesn't work that way. Uh, you know, he gave this guy the drugs or sold this guy the drugs, and this guy took this unbelievable amount of them, this extraordinary, extraordinarily triple the lethal dosage uh, of those drugs. But the guy who sold them to, his, to him is only going to be guilty of drug dealing, not about contributing to his death. But I thank you for the phone call. Congressman Jim Jordan joins us next on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine thirty-five. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Phone lines are open at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. We are almost guest free today. I want to leave plenty of opportunity for you to be heard on what happened yesterday in that Minnesota courtroom, and moreover on the impact that it's going to have nationwide, including in Northeast Ohio. So we'll take your phone calls. The one guest I do have is an important one. He's normally our Monday guest, Congressman Jim Jordan. 
Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, uh, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, joins us now on a perfect day, actually, to get some reaction to everything that is going on. Congressman, thanks for the time this morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Bob. Good to be with you. Yesterday, uh, the verdict was not surprising uh, to to anyone, uh, certainly not to me. Uh, I said before, I don't think you could have had O.J.'s dream team of F. Lee Bailey, Johnny Cochran, and uh, and Robert Shapiro could have could have gotten Derek Chauvin off in this case because uh, it was never going to be a fair trial. But I'm less concerned about than I am by things that I heard from the President of the United States afterwards, and that's what I'd like your comments on, Congressman. He declared that this verdict essentially ripped the blinders off and proved that the United States is a systemically racist nation. He then went on to praise last summer's, um, uh, what did he call it? He called it the summer of, uh, for goodness sakes, I apologize. He called it the summer of protest, uh, but he praised it and said, and said that the summer of 2020 was the summer of protest that united people. Congressman, there were billions of dollars in damages done in protests across this country last year. Yeah. Hundreds of police officers seriously injured, some of them killed, countless businesses shut down, countless people put out of work by smash and loot. And he called right. this a unifying moment and declared that this yeah. is proof that we're a systemically a racist nation. How do you respond to that from the commander-in-chief of this country? We are not a systemically racist country. We're the greatest country in history, the vast, vast, vast majority of police officers do an amazing job under uh, extraordinary circumstances trying to protect um, our communities and, and protect us. There are a couple people who do, uh, you know, a handful of people who do uh, bad things and they should be held accountable. And we trust the American justice system. And that played out yesterday. That, that's the takeaway here in, in, in my mind, not, uh, not ridiculous statements from Maxine Waters last weekend where, I mean, think about that, Bob. She was actually admonished by the trial judge yeah. in the courtroom for what she said in that town, made a special trip up to Minneapolis in the days before there's going to be some kind of verdict from the jury and says the ridiculous and, and crazy things that she says and actually gets admonished by the trial judge. So, no, we need to, we need to come back to the basic facts, which are we're the greatest country ever and the vast majority of police officers do an amazing job, and those that don't are held accountable, and that's what played out um you know, played out yesterday. Yeah, it did to a degree. Um, and here's my problem, though. My problem is not necessarily, I don't feel any sympathy for Derek Chauvin because I think he was cavalier. He was, he was brazen and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and I think he was, he was foolish and maybe neglectful, but I don't think that the evidence proved that he caused this man's death. But that notwithstanding, the question, Congressman, is have we now proven that in this country we can have trial by riot? Uh, because there are a lot of people who believe that these jurors were terrified of coming back with anything other than guilty for fear of not only themselves being put into danger. You know, there was a witness who testified for the defense who had pig's blood smeared all over their uh, what was thought to be their home, uh, being doxxed, being targeted because of riotous behavior. Some people feel like, well, now that's the key. You want to get a cop convicted? Yeah. If you want to get a, if you want to get an outcome that you demand, <laughs> just threaten to riot and burn stuff, and uh, juries are going are going to nod and say, okay. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, look, there's an appeal process. The, um, the, 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 as I said, the trial judge talked about some of this stuff. We'll have to see, were some of these jurors actually influenced in that in, in, in a way? Well, did they, did they see what Maxine Waters said? Were they a part of that? So I think you have to let our 
justice system, our criminal justice system, the court system, you have to let that play out. We are seeing record numbers of homicides, the increase percentage-wise from last year, or from 2019 to 2020, and now the pace that we are on this year continues to be new records. And the belief among many is that because of what police are facing right now, it's only going to get worse now, by the way, because uh, now there's a call for the Democrat bill uh, to reform policing to pass, which will make it much easier to charge and convict cops. Are, are we sacrificing national security? I don't mean national security as in from a foreign power, but, but safety for, for the people of this country, uh, from criminals on the altar of social justice here against police. Well, it, it's certainly happening because we're defunding the police. I mean, the, the Democrats have, every major urban area has defunded the police. It's over a billion dollars. We, we, and, and every one of those places where they have cut the police budget, uh, less cops on the street, less good guys out there protecting us from, from, uh, from criminals, you see an increase in homicides, you see an increase in violent crime. It, it doesn't take a genius to figure... Uh, we had this, I had this debate yesterday in a, in a committee, because uh, the Democrats try to say they're not the party of defunding police. They said every major urban area where, where the police have been defunded, it's Democrats in control. And last week, think about this, Bob, at the start of last week, we had a Democrat member of Congress from Detroit say that we should get rid of police and then the, 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 the week ended with another Democrat member of Congress in Minneapolis saying the crazy things and ridiculous things that she said so much so that she was admonished by the trial judge in, in, that, in that case. So the, 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 it's, it's no accident that, that bad things are happening and you're seeing an increase in crime because they're, they're, they're defunding the people who protect us from the bad guys. So how do we protect ourselves then? If the police aren't going to be around, because first of all, the numbers are dwindling. There are more retirements at a more rapid rate than we've ever seen before. The, the academies are smaller and smaller with the new recruits because people don't want to walk into this kind of a career, uh, when their life and their family's lives are going to be put on the line, uh, yeah. uh with, with yeah. so much of this anti-police atmosphere. And yet, Joe Biden came out uh, two weeks ago with six new restrictions on gun ownership. So how are we supposed to protect ourselves from potential violent crime if we can't have cops and we can't do it ourselves? This is what the Democrats have yeah. left us with. We keep, you know, we keep talking. Look, look, all your listeners know that we have the Second Amendment. All, all, all your listeners know about the con- uh, Constitution. We keep talking about the, the facts and the truth, and there are still... Uh, millions and millions of Americans who understand what, you know, the rights that we have as individuals, uh, God-given rights we have that are protected by our Constitution. So we keep making the case, and frankly, there are some Democrats, not many. I just saw one on TV, Debbie Dingle, who was saying, look, we need, we need, we need police on the street. Um, we need to deal with this issue in the right way with, with the, the, the handful of, of, of cops who may do bad things. We need to deal with that, but we also need to, to remember we need public safety. So there are a handful of Democrats who I think get it. Now, there are a lot who say, uh, who, 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 you know, by based on what they say, I don't think do. So I think we just keep ta- telling the truth, and the American people see it, and they understand what's going on. I want to go back to the summer of protests that uh, Joe Biden praised as being unifying. Um, some people feel like, uh, in the wake of the trial yesterday, well, whether we agree, we agree with the verdict or not, or whether the trial was fair or not, or whether there should have been uh, you know, a, a change of venue, which I think probably should have happened, a, a sequestering of the jury, which probably should have happened. No matter how you feel about all of that, uh, a lot of people are saying, whew, Big sigh of relief now. At least they're not going to riot. At least the rioting is going to be over because, you know, we know what would have happened had he been found not guilty. Do you think that the rioting is done when you continue to have now uh, President Biden, Maxine Waters saying, stay in the streets. We need justice. Be more confrontational. 
I mean, it's not like this is over now. We, there's no reason to breathe a sigh of relief, is there? Well, they ride it in Portland last night. They've never stopped in Portland. So, That's right. Um, you know, I, I, I hope it ends. I know we all want it to end. Um, we're, we're, I always tell people, America is not perfect, but we're the greatest country ever. Um, and our system, our checks and balances, and our federal system, and our system that respects liberty, it, it works. So uh, let's let's remember all that. Um, but yeah, it hasn't stopped. I mean, Portland, it's been it's been almost a year straight with uh, the siege of the federal court building there and all the other crazy things that have happened. So uh, I hope it does end. But it's not going to end until you have the right kind of leadership uh, and communicating the right kind of principles and values and right now in portland obviously uh, that that's that's not the case last question on the impact on policing that this is going to have as a matter of fact this this law there's a new ohio law uh that that just took effect that prohibits police officers from placing pregnant women in handcuffs and all they have to do is say that they're pregnant without the police officer first calling the woman's doctor or health clinic or hospital to find out if it's okay to handcuff this pregnant woman a violation of this by the police officer can lead to lawsuits not against the city and the department but against them personally they surrender qualified immunity uh, if they don't do this Again, how is a police officer supposed to do his job if there is a woman committing violent acts and they need to restrain and detain her and they cannot handcuff her if she says, I'm pregnant, and they have to call medical providers? Congressman, this is what I'm asking. I mean, what are yeah, we asking? Are we asking to? Are you aware of that law, by the way? Great question, Bob. And, and, and this is one of the fundamental differences between the Democrats' bill to deal with uh, police reform, and the one that we were for, which was the Tim Scott legislation. Yeah. Uh, the Democrat bill, when it passed the House in, in, in the last Congress, it went through committee. We offered 12 amendments in committee to deal with qualified immunity with no-knock warrants, the very issues that, that, you, that you're raising in your questions. It, it, it's the perfect question. We had 12 different amendments to, to, to make their bill better and make it in, in, in more, much more in line with Senator Scott's legislation, which we supported, they wouldn't accept any one of those. So they are determined to go the route that was that you underscored in your question. That's the difference in the legislation. And, and frankly, that, that's, that's a problem because we already know what's happening to you get people who retire as soon as they can now in, in, in the police force and very few new people who want to actually become police officers in light of all the things that they see going on now coupled with the, the law changes that the left wants to make. That's a big problem. So, uh, and that's a fundamental distinction between their legislation and, and what we're trying to get done. It should never be forgotten, by the way, what they said about Senator Scott when they rejected his legislation. They, they insulted him yeah. and they essentially called him a token black for the, for the, for the Republican Party and for the conservative movement. And that's the reason why his common sense policing reforms were rejected because they came from a black yeah. man who had not, who had, who had, who had dared to disagree with, uh, with what is supposed to be the black party. Um, yeah, senator Scott's a good senator, a good good guy. Uh, sure is. He, he is. had a good piece of legislation. It'd be nice if we could get that done. He's all of the above. I like Senator Tim Scott a lot. I think it was criminal what was done to him. Now, I just want to pivot over here uh, because, you know, your commentary a few minutes ago on Maxine Waters uh, and what she did in the streets uh, in, uh, you know, getting a rebuke from the trial judge, Judge Cahill. Um, 
Nobody rebuked her when she told you to shut your mouth last week. I wanted to get your mm-hmm. thoughts on your kind of verbal showdown with Dr. Fauci, which, by the way, I want to thank you for, because this is what so many of us, this is why we call you guys our representatives. You're representing us. I would love to ask Dr. Anthony Fauci, what's the number? Give me a specific yeah. mark here that we have to achieve in order for you to give us our liberties back. He refused to answer you for five minutes, and when you demanded an answer at the end, Nancy uh, Maxine Waters told you to shut your mouth. How did? Uh, give me your thoughts on the Fauci well, exchange first, uh, uh, and then tell me about what Maxine said to you. Your thoughts. Well, I, I think the, to the second thing, you know, I, I think you're going to see Democrats just do that. They just they, they want confrontation. They want to do it. All I wanted was the answer to the question. The second round was I had a second round of questions, which I, which bothered me even more because then Dr. Fauci said I was ranting, and I said I'm not ranting. I'm asking the question. The, the constituents in the fourth district of Ohio want to know, which is what's the metric, what is the result, what is the outcome, what has to be attained, what what specific number in vaccines, in cases per week, cases per month, cases per one hundred thousand. What is? What, tell me the numbers, the objective standard that has to be reached before we get our First Amendment liberties back. And I and I tried to underscore, Bob, and this is something you've done for the last year as well. Tried to underscore that. For the past year, Americans, all five liberties we have under the First Amendment have been attacked. Your right to practice your faith, your right to assemble. When you have a curfew, that, that directly impacts your right to assemble. When you, when it's limited where you can go, the, the fact that you can't get to your capital, you cannot come into your capital today, Bob, to lobby me as your representative to, to petition for, for redress of grievances. You can't do that. And of course, if you speak out against Dr. Fauci or anyone, you get canceled online. You get canceled right. on YouTube. Just ask Senator or, or just ask uh, Governor DeSantis about that. So this is ridiculous. Now, I understand this is a serious virus, but just again, Dr. Fauci, tell us when it gets back to uh, when we get our freedoms back under the First Amendment. And they won't answer the question, which sort of gives us an answer that I don't know that they ever are going to let us have our freedoms back. Um, And that's the frustrating part. Every question you asked was fair, and your right to expect an answer was fair, and in fact, your demand that the answer be given before they move on to the next questioner was also fair. What was not fair, again, was the extraordinary lack of respect shown by your colleague. When Maxine Waters told you to shut your mouth, I mean, I'm picturing it, or I'm trying to anyway. Can one imagine a GOP rep yelling at Maxine Waters to shut your mouth? Uh, A, she's female. B, she's black. So immediately you are a misogynistic racist if you say such a thing to her. Why is it okay to say that to a white male like you? Because it's a double standard. Every, everyone knows Democrats can, can do all kinds of things that Republicans can't. That's just, uh, unfortunately, the standard we, we, we have today. But the, the truth is, I would never say that to a colleague. I would never use that language in a, in a hearing. I would tell them they're wrong. I would tell them I disagree. But I would never use that kind of language. It's just, it's just not appropriate. That's not how you're supposed to, con, con, to conduct a debate in the United States House of Representatives in a, an important committee hearing. Um, but, you know, it is, it is what it is. We're, we're just going to keep trying to fight for the things I believe Americans care about. I believe Ohioans, and particularly the ones I get the privilege of representing in the 4th District, care about. We're going to keep fighting for those things and trying to get answers. That's my job. My job is to get answers for the people. And the, the idea that the guy who makes more money than anyone in the federal government... Including the president. The, the, including the president. He's the highest-paid federal government employee that he won't answer a fundamental question when he's supposed to be the smartest man on the planet, that's the thing that bothers me more than anything else. And I believe it bothers a lot of the people I get, again, the privilege to serve in, in, in the Congress. Um, 
the video that I've seen of that exchange that we just talked about, particularly the end of it with Maxine Waters, cuts off after that. So I didn't see what happened after. Did Mr. Clyburn or anyone else rebuke her for her extraordinary disrespect and her yelling no, at you to show your mouth? No, I don't recall that. So Not yeah, a word from him or anybody else in that committee? Yeah, I don't believe so because I was, I mean, I was still focused on trying to get an answer. And then Mr. Clyburn gave this, this kind of a strange answer. He said, well, when 90% of Congress gets va- uh, uh, the vaccine, then we can go back to normal. I'm like, I, I sort of wanted to think like, so I asked him later, I said, are, are you saying if 90% of Congress uh, gets get the, the vaccine, then the whole country can get their first amendment? That, this, this seemed like a, uh, you know, strange, strange uh, position to have, but that's, that's what he said. So I caught I was that more too. focused on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I caught that, that too. That, that was point. bizarre. All right. Well, listen, Congressman, uh, you never have to shut your mouth when you come here. Uh, we always want to hear what you have to say. And I appreciate <laughs> You're very kind. I pre- no, and I, I appreciate your candor on all of that. Thanks very much, sir. We'll talk again. You bet. Take care. Uh, that's uh, Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 952. Yeah, this, this, this was rather astounding. Let me see if I can cue this up on the fly. Real quick before the break, just just so you can hear exactly what we're talking I don't want about. you to answer my question. The American people want Dr. Fauci to answer the well, question. But what does it have to be? Expire, sir. If you need to respect the chair and shut your mouth. There it don't is. worry about this. We, we, we're going to handle this. <sighs> She's not even the chair. Clyburn's the chair of that committee, and she turns on her mic and pipes in with, respect the chair and shut your mouth. Who is being more respectful or disrespectful there? Jim Jordan or Mad Max? Expire, sir. If you need to respect the chair and shut your mouth. No one could have gotten away with saying that to Mad Max herself. We'll be right back. All right, obviously, just a little baby segment here because uh, we went a little long with Congressman Jim Jordan, and uh, I certainly do not apologize for that. He was terrific, as always. The second hour today is guest-free, so it is pl- there are plenty of opportunities for you to be heard on uh, what happened yesterday. And again, I'm not just talking about the verdict. I'm not talking about whether or not the verdict was the right verdict. I'm talking about the fact that there was not a fair trial that led to that verdict. It was impossible for it to be fair under the circumstances that they placed it. But what does it mean going forward for the United States of America. That's what I want to talk about next. What does it mean to your security and safety with police essentially being open targets now for lawsuits, for uh, for challenges, for accusations, and so on and so forth? How can we survive? Quite literally now, it's a question of survival. That's not hyperbole. But I would love to hear from you about it at uh, 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110, right here on AM 1420. 